you guys doing today? Awesome. Uh, my wife and I were just talking about um, if, we dug, if we dug into a wall at our house, we'd probably find an empty box. That's probably what would happen. That would be our luck. Um, now, I, you know, I, one of the things I, I just loved right now is hearing all of you guys sing together and singing out um, in one voice, worshiping God. Um, that's definitely close to my heart as, as my wife and I do lead worship together here. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Kevin. And uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of uh, this service today and, and wrapping up the mixtape series. We've heard from, um, I'm now the sixth communicator in this series, and, and what a blessing it is that, that God has gifted um, so many men to teach His Word. Uh, last week, A.J. Underwood, our student pastor, preached for the first time. How about that? Did a great job last week. He did bring, as he said, he did bring out the adult table for those of us that are taller in this church. Yeah, the, the high jokes are never ending. They really are. Um, so, so tomorrow is 4th of July. You guys uh, get excited about 4th of July? Um, I'm, I'm particularly excited. My, my, um, my family's in town, my, both of my brothers and their families. My parents live here in town, and so we get to celebrate that. And uh, they're here today um, just to support me and, and critique me later, I'm sure. Um, but, but so one of the things I love about the 4th is I get to rest and relax, uh, hang out with family and friends, you know, we fire up the grill, cook some good food, uh, maybe hang out by the pool. You might prefer the lake. Um, and then we got fireworks at the end of the day, because who doesn't enjoy a good fireworks show, right? Uh, except for our three-year-old Jude, right? He, uh, um, a, f- a few weeks ago, we went to a Smokies game, and if you've been to those, um, sometimes they set off fireworks at the end of, of the, uh, the game, and uh, we, we kind of knew he was apprehensive about it, so we, we, we split before the fireworks started, and we're walking out, um, out, of the, out of the gate. I've got Jackson, who is just completely bummed that he, he's not going to get to stay and hear the fireworks, but he's still seeing them over my shoulder, and he's clapping and laughing. Well, Jude's absolutely freaking out, and Julie had the the, the pleasure of carrying him. Um, so Jackson and I were leading the crowd, and I'm or leading our group, and, and I'm carrying uh, carrying him. And then I see Jude just like take off past me, and and he's he's carrying these two inflatable baseballs. And you know he does the shoulder run, you know, as he's going along, and 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 he he is not a kid of focus. That's not his spiritual gift. And so, I mean, he is just, like, making a beeline for the car. He doesn't know where it is, but he's running for it. And then I see Julie and the rest of our kids just chasing after him, laughing their heads off, trying to catch him. We are a jerk family because we're laughing at him. But it, but it makes good memories that we can blackmail, with him, blackmail him with later. So I don't know if you knew this or not, but tomorrow is the 240th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. 240 years ago, men and women, ordinary men and women just like us, made a decision to take drastic measures to change something that that they didn't disagree with, which was the British tyranny, the injustice, the oppression that they were putting on um, the colonies. So they, they started this American revolution that we know today, that we get to celebrate today because of the freedom um, that, that they earned for us. Uh, and that's what a revolution is. It's just, it's, it's seeing that something is off and you're going to take drastic measures to change it. But today, what I want to talk to you guys about is a different type of revolution. It's one that has uh, more eternal impact. 
It has lasting implications for each of our lives. I call it the character revolution. Before we get into that, would you guys pray with me? Father God, I just ask that you uh, take over this time. Lord, that your words would, would come out of my mouth, that, that I would be swept aside so that, so that you can be seen in all of your glory today, God. As we dig into your word, Lord, just teach our hearts and transform us through the truth that is inside of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is character? I want to start off with, a, with just setting that base of what character is. And, and for our purposes today, I'm going to define it as who you are when no one's looking. Because really, when no one's around, that's, who, that's, that's the time that we really are who, who we are at our core, right? We're letting our guard down. We're dropping our filters because we, we don't really care about what's, what people see or, or hear us do when they're not around. And, and so, so character is, is who we are when no one's looking. And you, you may ask, well, why is a revolution needed on, on character? Well, because... Because God had to take drastic measures. Because sin came in into, and changed everything. Original sin, when Adam and Eve made that decision in the garden to rebel against God, to disobey God, and eat from that fruit, they changed everything. They, they devastated the human condition. They devastated our relationships. It even spills into creation. Creation doesn't function the way God intended it because of original sin. And so God saw that we were powerless to do anything about it. Because we really are powerless to change our sin nature. And so he took drastic measures. Like I said, a revolution is taking drastic measures to change something. And, and, and he took these, he made this revolution, this Jesus-led revolution to go to the core of the issue, the root of the issue, because we can't fix symptoms. You can't treat cancer with cold medicine, right? You've got to get to the root of the issue. We need to focus on what we do, our behaviors and our actions. We focus on that. We don't need to. We tend to focus on what we do instead of on who we are, our character, our identity, and where our identity comes from. What is a symptom of who? And it's, it's something that's ingrained in us from the time that we're little. We're asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody ask that question throughout your life? Any of you know what you want to be yet? You're still trying to figure that out? Uh, I know I am. I, I've, I've, a funny story that my, my, my parents told me, um, when I was about four years old, I was asked this question, and uh, I said I wanted to be a fire engine when I grew up. That's right, I said fire engine, not fireman. Um, I was talking to my, my brother Brian yesterday about it, and, you know, like, was there, what, how did you guys respond? He's like, oh, we just made fun of you. It's like, <laughs> I would have too. I would have too. Apparently, I watched too many Transformers shows, or maybe I ate paint chips as a kid. I don't know. <laughs> but if you, in seriousness, if you were to track um, what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do throughout my life, I mean, it would be all over the place because what we want to do changes with our life experience. It changes with what we, what we learn, who we know, the things that we get to do. What we want to do is a moving target. And so we need to start focusing less on our behaviors, on, on the what, and focus on the who. 
so that we're not treating just the symptoms, but we're getting to the root of the issue. Think about it in terms of a marriage where the marriage is on the rocks. The husband and the wife are are just in constant conflict. As I've counseled some guys over the years, the worst thing I could have done was to tell them, well, just clean the house more, do laundry more, play with the kids more. You know, that's just working at the symptoms. You see, he's broken and she's broken. And two wrongs don't make a right. They only make more wrong. And that's why we need this Jesus-led revolution on our hearts to remedy the issues, the issue of sin. So we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about this revolution. I'm going to dig into Philippians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible that I've, I've studied and gone back to many times over the years because it's just so rich and full of, of good things to apply to our lives and to, to help us understand the gospel. Paul starts off in, in verse 4. He says, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is laying out his resume here. He's saying, I was, I was born into the right family. I got circumcised on the right day. I followed the rules. I was passionate about following the rules. He continues on in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Guys, that, that last verse has wrecked me this week. That I, he counted all things as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. When I look back at my Christian resume, I mean, to be honest with you, it's pretty solid. I was born into a Christian family with godly parents who taught me and my brothers what it meant to follow Jesus, what it meant to serve in church and to be in community and fellowship with others. I was baptized when I was eight years old. As a teenager, I accepted the call to serve God in some type of full-time ministry. And then ever since through my adult life, I've been in leadership positions, mainly leading worship, but even over the past few years, serving here at the Ridge on the lead team and most recently as an elder. But as I read the, these words of Paul's, I look at all of that and, and, I, and I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed because my identity, my value was driven from what I did for Jesus, for the positions that I held in the name of Jesus, instead of knowing Jesus more, instead of gaining more of him. As I said, our focus tends to be on what we do instead of who we are. And I think that's because what is more tangible, we can grasp it more easily, we can focus on it a little better. Who we are can only be grasped deep inside of us. Sometimes even places that, that we can't even that we don't even know are there and we can't go ourselves without the help of Jesus. So this character revolution that I present to you today must start with this question. Are you concerned with who you are becoming? Are you concerned with who you're becoming, or are you more concerned about your behaviors, your actions? 
what you're going to do down the road. Paul continues picking up on the verse 9. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Well, if something is found, it must have been lost at one time, right? And we have been lost because of sin. We can trace this lostness back to what Adam and Eve did. And I don't mean to throw them under the bus because any one of us in this room would have made the same decision that they did. We, we would have rebelled against God. We would have disobeyed God. But because of, of their decision, we, we now are lost. We're out of place. We're left out. We're misfits. So God had to intervene with a Jesus-led revolution on the hearts of men so that we could be found, that we could be restored, that we could be made whole again. It's a beautiful revolution. Now, I want to make sure that I clarify. I'm not talking about salvation here. Salvation is a very important step in becoming like Christ because that's when we make the decision that we're going to surrender our life under his lordship, that he's going to be the guiding force of our lives. Now, what I'm talking about here is sanctification. It's a process of becoming like Christ. It's an inside-out transformation that only he can begin because only he can go into the depths of our souls and begin to uproot sin as it has taken deep roots inside of us. As I was thinking through this, the, the, the analogy of digging up a plant kind of came to mind. A few years ago, I was, had some, some really overgrown plants in, in my yard, and, and so I decided to, to dig them out, wanted to replace them. Uh, so I got my shovel out, and I started digging around the, the outside of, the, of the, the plant and got some of the root ball exposed. And, and you know, if you've ever done this, you, you dig a little bit, and then you, you pull a little bit. You, you want to work smarter, not harder, right? And so I kept digging. Uh, the hole kept getting wider and deeper to the point that, that the, the outward roots, the root ball, had been completely exposed. But as I pulled on it, it still wasn't budging. I mean, it, it would move, but it wouldn't come out. And so the only way I could get the, the plant out of the hole was to either just violently pull it to where the roots tore or to use my shovel to cut it. And then I was able to get the, the plant out. But see, this is what sin does in our hearts. We expose the root ball, the symptoms, the what, and we think that we're good. But it's the deep roots that, that grow into the soil that we can't see that only Jesus can remove. Because he is the master gardener. Have you ever wondered why you do the things you do? Have you ever done something that you didn't know you were capable of or responding in a way that you, you didn't know was still in there? It's like, I, I respond in a way and I, didn't, I, I haven't done that in 20 years. It's, it's because of those roots of sin. Uh, about a month ago, um, we were doing this remodel project here at the church. Um, you can see the, the booth back here, and, and we, were, we were hot and heavy into it with a, a great group of volunteers um, giving up their evenings, giving up their weekends to tear stuff out, to build stuff, to paint stuff, and really get this to a point that, you know, we, it was not just functional but looked good. Um, 
but we also had the stress of our, of our normal everyday jobs as well as the, the needs of our families um, on us. And even on the weekends, every Saturday, we had to come to a stopping point and just kind of get things cleaned up so that way we could um, have Sunday services. Well, during that time, um, Wesley, he was the leprechaun that did the uh, welcome earlier. Um, Wes, Wes was putting, love you, brother. Um, Wes was putting, uh, put, we have, we have a, like a message board for the lead team, and, and he put a thought out there. You know, is there something we can do to say thank you for our volunteers, a meal or, or something like that? And, of course, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll let him do it. I've got stuff I need to focus on. And so I didn't respond. And then he kept asking the question on the board, and, and I honestly got to the point where I, was, I, I just started to ignore it because I was getting frustrated. If this is so important to us, then why doesn't he do it? I've got stuff I need to do. Well, it culminated in a, a phone conversation where Wes brought this up again, asking why are, you know, have we done anything yet? And I said, honestly, Wes, if this is so important to you, why don't you do it? Because I've got stuff I need to do. I'm focused on getting this thing done. And he kept challenging me and challenging me on it. And eventually I felt like I was just beating my head against the wall. And I said, fine, I'll take care of it. And then I hung up on him. Yeah, not, not, not one of my best moments. But after a few hours of thinking about it and God revealing how I had responded, I, I, I called Wes back up and, and I didn't just apologize for, to him for disrespecting him. I confessed my sin and asked for his forgiveness because that's what it was. It was my sin nature revealing itself. And, and I've learned over the years that it's in relationships that our character is revealed. Relationships are the fire in which our character is revealed and refined. It's one of the reasons why we're we're created for community. Yes, it's to have a place that we feel like we belong, but it's also a place that we can be refined, that the sin that is alive inside of us can be revealed as we are in conflict with each other or even if we're enjoying fellowship with each other that character is, is revealed. Paul explains it really well in Romans chapter 7. Verse 15, he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. It almost reads like a Dr. Seuss book, doesn't it? But the way Paul phrases this, the way he uses the word do over and over again, to me, captures that inner turmoil that he's wrestling with, that his, his, his sin nature, his flesh, is rebelling against what Christ is trying to do inside of him with the spirit nature. And then he comes back in verse 24, and he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This isn't about becoming better versions of ourselves, guys. 
This isn't a self-help book. This isn't seven steps to a better you. This is we're broken, we're jacked up, we're incomplete, and we need rescue. We need Jesus to take up residence inside of us to identify with him so that he can change us from the inside out. This concept of identifying with him, um, you can think of it if, you know, as a, your favorite sports team. You know, when you, when you really get passionate about your team, you, you wear their colors. You obsess, like I do, about, you know, recruiting or, or what practices are going on or whatever. You're identifying with them. And that is what it means to identify with Christ. We're putting on the clothing of Christ, which is the new self, and taking off the, the old self. Paul says elsewhere in Galatians 2.20 that I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. He's identifying with Christ. I found a, a quote on an online Bible commentary for this passage that really, really sums it up well. He says, most of us think that Christ does things for us and makes us better people. We usually think of this in terms of him acting upon us, but this isn't it. Christ doesn't do things for us or act upon us. He completes us with himself. We are joined in an identification with him, and he completes us in every way. We're putting on this team colors. We're, we're learning about him. Paul and this commentator are saying that, that identification with Christ is, is what we need to pursue. He continues on in verse 12, acknowledging that this is not an overnight change but yet a lifelong process. Not, he says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. He's pressing on through the difficulties. He's pressing on to make it his own. One of the things that I like in Paul's writings that I connect with is his references to athletics. Um, I, I've, I've done sports and working out for, for years, and I think a lot of us can, can identify or understand this um, as we all, a lot of us have, uh, favorite sports teams, or we at least have, have attempted working out at some point in our lives. He uses words like train and work out and run the race. He's given an imagery here. Uh, a few months ago, I started going with my wife to CrossFit. Um, the, the local one here in Oak Ridge, Secret City CrossFit's run by our own Mark Berger and his wife, Wendy. And um, you can sign up over there with him if you want to. Um, but seriously, though, if you don't know what CrossFit is, um, it's a combination of weight-bearing exercises. So you've got barbells, you've got um, dumbbells, you've got kettlebells, and doing different movements with those. Um, aerobics, so running, jump rope, um, stuff like that, and then gymnastics, so body weight exercises like pull-ups and push-ups. And one of the things that I've learned through CrossFit is, one, how hard it is, but also um, it, it, it brings you up to your limits. Our, our, our minds have, have a limit that's set before our bodies do. And it's telling, me, it's telling us it's, I'm in pain. You better stop. 
Um, but if we will learn to push through those limits, that's when we can get stronger. That's when we can get faster, we can, we, when we can get better. For those of you that may know Matt McGee, he, he, he attends here, he volunteers here. His wife, Lindsay, sings uh, here on the worship team with us. Uh, I'm convinced the dude is inhuman. Um, he, he goes out there, and, uh, and, and like there's a workout that we do where you have to do as many rounds within a given amount of time. And us mere mortals are all kind of hanging with each other, right? Well, Matt's doing like, I don't know, two, three times, 20 times more than, than us. And then after the workout, I mean, he's literally like sprawled out on the floor, like, oh, I'm in so much pain, you know? Like, I, I'm thinking he does this because, this microphone's going away. Um, he, he does this because uh, he wants us to feel better about ourselves, I'm pretty sure. Um, Mark, would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty accurate description of Matt. But seriously, though, Matt has learned how to push his limits. And he's learned that when he pushes through, pushes past them, when he taps into that inner motor, that he gets stronger, he gets faster, he gets better, exactly what I'm talking about. And Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. As I talking about with CrossFit, it's, it's in our pursuit of Christ-likeness that we push through our limitations. Christ helps us come up to them. He takes us up to our limits, and then it's up to us whether we're going to trust Him to take us through those limitations so that we can get stronger, so that we can become more like Him, or if we're just going to turn away and be content with where we're at. In Jesus' upside-down kingdom, we're made weak to be strong. It's not, that, it's not that he makes us stronger. It's that he is our strength. It's not us and him. It's him in us. And what keeps us going on, what fuels us is hope. Hope is really what drives us a lot of times, right? It might be hope for upcoming vacation. Or maybe you're close to retirement age and it's, it's the hope that you're, you're almost there. So you keep pressing on, or, or maybe all the working out and, and, and eating right is in the hopes of a better, fitter body, healthier body, or career advancement, whatever it may be. We want, a, we want a prize. We want a reward. That's our hope. And as Christ followers, our hope, our reward is Jesus. It's more and more of Jesus. It's a, a life that is better, richer, more fulfilling because we are in Christ. As Paul says in verse 14, that Jesus is our prize. Jesus is our reward. Author, pastor, theologian John Piper says that, that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We're created for God's glory. That's why he created us and no other reason. And as we find our satisfaction in him... He then becomes made greater in, in the eyes of those who are watching us. But one of the things, as, as we continue on, Paul understands that this is not an easy, intuitive journey. He says in verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Paul understood that it's not easy to know what your next steps are in following Christ. So he lived in a way to model following Christ and invited people to, to join him in that journey. And that's what he is encouraging us to do is to find someone to imitate. It's called discipleship. That's how the gospel has spread from, from 12 men to being all across the globe. But he does offer a warning in this, in this passage to be careful who we imitate. We need to understand that there are enemies of the cross. They might even be among us who are more about their own glory than they are about the glory of God. And, and that's why it's important for us to test everything we see against the word of God. If someone is not living, in, uh, living consistent with what we see in Scripture, then we need to question if we really should be modeling our pursuit of Christ after them. We need to decide if someone's a faithful follower of Christ or a false prophet. We test it with Scripture. Guys, if you don't know what your next step in following Jesus is, then we'll help you find someone. On the Connect card, there's a, there's a spot for, where you can check other. And if you want to help us to help you find someone that you can learn from, that you can ask questions and grow in your relationship with Christ, check that box and, and just say, help me find someone to imitate. Make sure you, you fill out the contact info, and we'll get back to you. We'll help you. We have a whole group of people who are eager to pour into you and teach you what it means to follow Christ. Now, to those of you who are more mature in Christ, I want to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you to live in a way that models what it means to follow Christ and then invite people to join you. Now, I realize that's intimidating to many of us because we don't have confidence in our, our ability to follow Christ, so why would we want someone modeling it after us? But, but if you've been doing it for any time, then that's the next step. God is calling you to trust Him. And He will give you what you need. Pastor J.D. Greer says this about this, this inviting others to imitate you. He says, are you reproducing yourself? The good news is that making disciples is fairly easy. You simply bring people along in your spiritual journey. Making disciples is more about intentionality than technique. I love that. It's more about being intentional than knowing all the answers. Discipleship means teaching others to read the Bible the way you read it, pray the way you pray, and tell people about Jesus the way you do. If you have Christian habits in your life worth imitating, you can be a disciple maker. It doesn't require years of training. You just teach others to follow Christ as you follow him. We got to stop using the excuse that we don't know what we're doing, that we don't know the right answers, and we got to step out in faith and trust that, that God will give us the answers. You know, it's, it's okay if someone comes to you with a question and you just say, I don't know, but let's go find out together. Maybe it's, it's finding, you know, one, by talking to Bobby or one of our other pastors, or, or maybe it's just digging into the Word together. But you invite people to join you in your journey. I asked the question earlier, are you concerned with who you are becoming? For those of you that I'm talking to with, with challenging you to, to invite others into your journey, I, I offer you this question. Are you concerned with who others are becoming? 
Are you concerned about the, the character that, that is inside of them? Are you, are you concerned with how Jesus is working inside of them? We have to change what we care about. And that is the first step. To close out, I want to just circle back to that original question. Are you concerned with who you're becoming? Or are you focused on your behaviors? Are you focused on the what rather than the who? I want you to prayerfully consider the answer to that because it has eternal impact, whatever your answer is there. So I want to offer some next steps for you. First of all, if, if this, this idea of this, this Jesus-led revolution is new to you, I want to invite you to join that revolution. Choose to follow Jesus. Choose to let him be the Lord of your life. Allow him to work in you from the inside out. Next, I want to challenge you to press on to make it your own. Ask him for the strength. Ask, ask him for the help that you need to push through your limitations so that you can be transformed. Next, if, if, you're, if you're doing both of those, then you need to find someone to imitate. Again, check on the Connect card. F- help me find someone to imitate. That's all you have to do. Put your contact info on there, and we'll help, help you. Take the Connect card out to Ridge Central and turn it in, and, and, and we'll, we'll be in contact with you this week about that. And then finally, for those of you that are more mature in Christ, for those of you that have been following Jesus for any time, I want to challenge you to change what you care about, to be, com- to be concerned with who others are becoming. I'm going to wrap up here with verses 20 and 21 from chapter 3 because Paul is challenging us, he's encouraging us to, to think beyond our current struggles, beyond this current life, at what is to come. Because ultimately that is our prize, our reward. He says... But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's our hope, guys. That one day, this this lifelong process of becoming like Christ will finally be that we are perfected in Christ. The day when Christ comes back and takes us home. He's going to complete the work that he began in us. He's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And that's the good news. He pursues us relentlessly. All we have to do is respond. That's all we have to do is choose to respond. Would you guys pray with me? God, I I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for sending your son to lead a revolution upon our hearts. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to become more concerned with who we are becoming than all of the other things that distract our attention. To realize that in order to fix the symptoms, we've got to fix the problem. Lord, I pray for each person here and, and those, those contemplating a next step and, and where they are at in the journey. I just... I I pray that you would lead them, God, in only a way that you can. Lord, we love you so much, and, and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got communion down here.
that if you want to respond to worship, if you want to respond to the message, if you want to respond to how the Holy Spirit is working in you, you can take, the, take communion, remember the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for you, so that you could, could be set free from the power of sin. We've got prayer partners, Becky and Mike here. There's something that God is moving on in your heart to respond today. You can come forward and pray with them.